Morning, familia. Very good. Excited to be here. All right. Great worship. Hopefully, you're going to be blessed with a good word. You'll be full, and then you can go home and have a great day in His presence. I have a stopwatch just to keep me on time. Okay, that's all it is. Do me a favor. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter four. That's our text for this morning. John chapter 4. When you're there, say amen. Well, let me pray again. Heavenly Father, once again, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would um, just bless your people, Lord. Not only by the reading of your word, but by the understanding and the application of your word. It's not enough, Lord, just to listen, Lord. But we have to obey what you called us to do. For that, we want to say thank you. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I'm going to begin with a, I'm asking you to please pray. Um, I got a call Friday. And I had to go to Chicago. You know that big city over there? With three million people? And a good friend of mine called me up. Now, I can't tell you what this guy does, but he does a very dangerous job in the city. You can figure it out from there. But what was the thing he called me to do, he said, hey, would you come and be with us? My wife is dying. And they just got married two years ago. I know because I did the wedding. And um, they're in their 40s. Her name is Marisol. That's the only thing I'm going to give you. And Marisol, unfortunately, has cancer that is consuming her. So when I walked into the house, Hospice dropped her off, and family was there. Children are there. Grandchildren are there. You know, cousins, friends. It's about nine people in the house right now. And we had, um, we had church in the living room. Shared the good news, exactly what I'm going to share with you today, and Marisol was not able to communicate, but she was nonverbal, right? But she looked at me from, bed, from her bed, and she looked up at me, and she goes, I know who you are. And I held her hand, and as I shared the gospel, not only with her, but with everyone in the room, and when I called everybody to repentance, she squeezed my hand so hard, and she's like, yes. When I got to talk to her husband, about two or three hours later, when he and I were alone, I said, hey, buddy, 
Your wife's going to be fine. She's going to be okay because she's received the greatest gift that she could ever have. And he's like, yep, I know, me too. It's like, amen. This is why we go, amen? Because if we don't go, we're going to lose thousands of people. So I want to share with you what the Lord has taught me through a great friend who's actually sitting right there, Daryl Farney. He taught me this 21 years ago. I just expanded it a little bit, okay, Daryl? Don't get mad at me, all right? Just gave it some more teeth and stuff like that. And we're going to show you how we're going to implement it here at church because we want to be a blessing in everyone's life. Amen? So let's do this. John chapter 4. Let me give you the, my thesis, if I could say it. Just as Christ was willing to enter the community where he knew he would be breaking every cultural norm, he didn't care. He did it to see one woman come to know him personally. And if you and I are going to be like Christ and share the good news, we need to go wherever the Lord might send us, even if it means we have to break not the law, but somebody's opinion of what, oh, that's not kosher, or that's not cool. So what? Be obedient to what Christ has commanded. Amen? Amen. Jesus and the woman of Samaria, John chapter 4. You guys know this story. It's big. It's 42 verses. I'm going to read little parts of them. You can read it at home. But here's the first thing I want to teach you. Number one, and if you have your outline, okay, it's point one. Here it is. Love moves you into their world, verses five and six. Let me read it from the beginning. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, look at what he did in verse three. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Jacob. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied because he was tired as he was from the journey. He was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That means it was high noon, ladies and gentlemen. So here's what Christ is doing. Number one, he, in verse four, he had to go through Samaria. So I remember Galilee's here, Judea's here, and people would go around Samaria because they're not going through what we would today would call the hood, okay? Does Long Grove have a hood? No, right? We don't have that, right? We're like blessed and highly favored here. But there are parts, right? I don't know what you might call the hood. I grew up in Chicago. The hood for me was the neighborhood I grew up in. It was called Austin and on the west side, you know? I even found out that Naperville has a hood. And I'm like, no, not them. It's Naperville. They're perfect. You know? We're Long Grove. But look at what Christ had to do. He had to go through Samaria. This was a two-day travel, all right, to go around. He went through it. Why? Let me give you some rabbinical teaching on how this was for Jesus' day. And I think it is even till today. Listen to this. For the theological rabbinical teaching, 
it said this, talk not much to a woman. Gentlemen, women are icky, all right? Remember, your dad told you, what do, what, what do women have, what do the girls have? Cooties, see? Yeah, but this was part of the rabbinical teaching, like, don't talk to them. Look at what else they said. He who pays a woman by counting out coins from his hands to gaze at her, even though his Torah knowledge surpasses that of Moses, even he will not escape Gehenna. Ooh, this is some crazy teaching, right? Rabbinical prayer, ready? Blessed although our Lord that you have not made me a woman. That was the, yeah, okay, I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus was, this is what was being taught during Jesus' day, and part of it is still being taught today. Now look at this. This is the racial boundary that he breaks. Verse 7, because she was a Samaritan. It was called Nida. Nida. Is the teaching in Judaism that a woman is separated from others, from others because of her monthly issue. Okay? She was considered unclean. So the men would avoid them so they, they would not become contaminated, right? This is part of Levitical teaching. The Jews considered the Samaritans, even a little girl, Neda. She was unclean. Now, if you tell me that to my little 10-year-old, I'm going to forget that I'm a pastor, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to remember that I was in the Marine Corps, and I'm going to introduce you to somebody, you know? But this was the cultural teaching of the timing. What does Christ do? He doesn't care. Why? Because he loves, right? He loves. He broke the gender boundary. Women, men don't speak to women. To women, even if you want to share the good news of Christ, you must be willing to step into somebody's world. This is what I'm challenging you with. We see Christ doing this over and over again. Remember the accused of Christ, right? Luke chapter 7, 34. Jesus' friends of what? He's a friend of sinners. Not a friend of people who go and look like him, talk like him, go to the same country club as him, even go to the same church as him. Christ loves sinners. Here's what it is. The lost people want to see and need to experience. They don't need a sermon. What they need is a love and a touch of Christ, and that's going to be through your and my hands. This is what the world is thirsty for. It's for genuine love that doesn't abuse, it doesn't throw away, but draws near to love people even when they're not lovable. Amen? Because we know people that are not lovable, and they're sitting right next to us. And yet we still love them, right? Come on. You can tell the truth and shame the devil, right? It's like, come on, man. Every Sunday morning, something happens. Why? To test you, to provoke you, to see, hey, are you really going to love me? Christ knows this and points to the physical need. Her thirst, thirst to point out the real thirst that she should have that no human relationship's ever going to satisfy. You know what I'm talking about because you and I have that same thirst. All right? So let's be, let's be honest with each other. Look at some examples real brief. 
Remember, look at what God did in the Old Testament. He left heaven, right? But every day he would go into the garden with Adam and Eve. Moses steps and goes back to Egypt. Samson becomes a deliverer for the Philistine. Boaz is the lord of the harvest and redeems Ruth, the Moabitess. Esther saves her people from destruction. Nathan, the prophet, comes David about the sin with Bathsheba. Jonah is called to Nineveh. That's just some of the examples from the Old Testament about what does love do. It moves in. Look in the New Testament. Jesus leaves heaven, right? Philip talks to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. And Ananias goes and meets Paul in, in, verse, in Acts 9. Peter goes to Cornelius' house in Acts 10. Paul and Barnabas go to on their first missionary in Acts 13. Paul and Silas then go into the prison in Acts 16. Paul goes to Mars Hill on Acts 17. I could go on and on and on. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Why? Because he loves us. Amen? This is the heart of God. He's for those who are far, far off. We have to be intentional about building those relationships. We're going to show you how. Why? Because this is God. He loves he wants to sit and have a meal with us, right? Christ is our advocate. I can give you like 10 verses here. I'm going to give you two or three, but it talks about this beginning in, um, in John, 1 John 2, chapter 1 and 2. I'm going to give you just verse 2. He is our propitiation, meaning he's a satisfaction for our sins. And not only for ours, but listen to this, not only for ours, but also for the sins of what? The whole world. He satisfied the whole world. He did it. And it says it in Isaiah and Mark and John and Romans and 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, 2 Peter, and 1 John again. And the key verse in all of those things, and they're all over, is the whole world. God doesn't just like you and me because we're here on Sunday. But there are people in Chicago, even here in Long Grove, that are far from God, and God loves them. But the only way God is going to see them is if you and I go. Amen? Amen? So is love your motivation? Because it's God's heart, so I'm asking you, do you have God's heart? Do you love that way? Love moves you into their world. If you're not loving, if you're not stepping into the world, I'm going to challenge you. Do you really love Sorry. If you can't say amen, what do we say? Ouch, right? If that was an ouch for you, praise God. I hope the Lord really convicts you because he needs you. Number two, learn by asking questions, verses 7 through 15. Christ enters her world and starts a dialogue with her. Hey, hey, can you give me a glass of water? And she's looking at him. Are you crazy? You're a Jew. I can't. What are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, but I'm thirsty now. And then, by the way, if you knew who he was talking to you, you would ask me for water. You and I learn who people are just by simply talking and asking questions. Jesus begins the conversation with a simple icebreaker. Again, verse 7, can you give me a glass of water? Then he keeps following up. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying it to you, give me your drink, you would ask 
him and he would give it to you because it comes from him, living water. Verse 10. And in verse 11, she points out the natural world. She goes, man, you don't even have a bucket and rope. This well is deep. You want, you, where are you going to get this living water? He goes, no, you don't understand. I am the living water. Jeremiah 17, 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame, but those who turn away from you shall be written in, in the earth, for they have what? Forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Christ is saying, hey, do you know who I am? Do you really understand who I am? And that's the conversation. They're going back and forth, back and forth. This is how you learn who a person is. This is dialogue. The next part I'm going to share with you real briefly, I learned this from a Secret Service agent on how to do interrogations. Okay, don't do interrogating people, but it's great questions to ask. Ready? You can write it in your handout. You just say something, hey, so tell me, tell me, finish the sentence, and watch what people do. They'll tell you everything, because who's everybody's favorite subject? Anybody know? There you go, see? Just ask them something. Hey, tell me what you're doing. Tell me how this is going. But tell me, tell me, tell me. And they'll talk and talk and talk. Then you go to another question. It's called, hey, explain to me. Uh, how did you do that again? Or what did you do? How do you, how do you do this? Ladies, hey, explain to me. How does that recipe go again? Show me. Okay. All right. Oh, tell me. Can you, can you take me step by step? Explain to me how they do that. Oh, and by the way, oh, I can't get it. Hey, would you describe for me that again? And that simple little acronym, TED, tell me, explain, describe, just ask people those three questions and then listen and learn. And you're going to have an incredible time, all right? Ask as many questions that will help you learn about the person, all right? Number two, learn. Here's the, here's the most important one in many ways. Number three, listen and look to understand, not to reply. Listen and look to understand, not to reply. Verses 16 through 19. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you live now with you, he's not even your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to her, said to him, sir, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And he's like, duh. Right? Really? It took you all that to figure that one out? We have to be willing to listen and understand what people are going through. So here's how you listen, okay? Here's how you listen. Number one, it's that first L there. Listen to your person. When you're in a dialogue with somebody, you know, I got my cell phone here because it's keeping down my timer, right? But this thing is such a distraction, right? We go to, we will have coffee at Starbucks with people or dinner, and where does this go? Usually right in front of us on the table like this, right? And between talking to them and looking at the phone and talking to them and looking at them, we're not really listening. Put the phone away, stick it in your pocket, and listen to the person you're talking to. Ask good questions. 
Like, tell me, explain, describe, you know, whatever it is. But listen to that person. Okay, number two in this one. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans 8.14. To all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The critical thing, the critical conversation in when you are being a blessing to somebody is listening to the Holy Spirit because it is never just you and the person you're talking to. It's me and the person I'm speaking to, and the Holy Spirit is right here. So I got to have this ear open to the Holy Spirit and this ear open to the person, and I'm having a conversation with three people, me, you, and the Holy Spirit. Do you ever think about that? Does the Holy Spirit, do you invite the Holy Spirit to be part of every conversation you have, especially when you're trying to share the good news of Christ to build a relationship? He said yes, all right? But we don't do that, right? We kind of go into natural mode. This is supernatural what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. We need God to break through barriers to soften hearts so that the word of God can be planted deep. And if you're doing that in the flesh, you're not going to go far. You need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Number three, in this one, listen to the Spirit in you. Look at John 14, 6, 16a. I will ask the Father, and what's he going to do? He's going to give you another helper. John 16, 13. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he's going to what do? He's going to guide you in truth. I have the Holy Spirit living in me, just like you do. Amen? Are you listening to the Spirit in you, too? Does the Holy Spirit say, hey, shh, don't ask that, don't ask that. No, no, don't go there. Don't go there. Just, hey, go here. Go here. So, again, you're having a conversation, not just you and the person, but God has to be in the mix. The Holy Spirit has to be there talking to you, and you have to be listening so that you know what to say. Not only that, but you have to look. Look to really see who you're talking to. Understand what they're going through, their context. Do you see them? Or are they just somebody? Yeah. No, this is truth. I was at a church one time, and I was doing the front door ministry, just like our ushers and greeters. And this mother was... I was standing at the front door, about the same distance from our sidewalk here, and the mother was talking, coming with the daughter, and she went like this. She goes, okay, put your church face on. She said that, and I heard it, and I went, oh, oh my gosh. And I made it, I, was, I became intentional with her to really see her. Hey, how are you doing today? What's going on? And every week, see her. Until one day it's like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? And the response was, do you really care? And I was like, no, I'm just trying to be polite. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> right? But that's what most people think, right? Oh, the ushers and the greeters, they're just being polite to you. Hi, Bob. Hi, Tom. Hi, John. Hi, Jose. Do I really care? No, I'm just trying to be polite. No. Do I see you? Do I notice what you're going through? When you walk in with a frown on your face, do I notice? I love the movie Avatar. Anybody like the Avatar movie? It was pretty good, right? Do you remember how they greeted each other? Anybody remember? 
for $50? No. What did he say? Say it. I see you. That was the way to say, hey, how you doing? I love you. It's like, I see you. That's some good theology right there. Do you see the people that are with you every day at work? Do you notice them? Or do you just walk by? You know, you're polite. Hi, hi, John. Hi, Tom. Do you really care? No, I'm just being polite. No, but do I see you? You have to be doing that every day. Christ did it. He's doing this with the woman at the well right now. I see you. Yeah, you're, so, you, you know, you're here at noon. You know why you're here at noon? Because none of the other ladies like you. A woman, okay, here's what they used to do. Desert time, if you've ever been in the desert, I have. It is incredibly hot, especially at noon. It's about 110 in the shade. But the funny thing, when the sun goes down, you're freezing. It'll drop to 30 degrees at night. That's why Jesus, when God walked <laughs> with them, he was a cloud by day and fire by night because he knew this is what you need. Women would go get water to the well at 6 in the morning, 5 in the morning. Why? It's the cool of the day, and everybody loves to gossip about somebody else. No, I'm only kidding. But they would all get there, right? 5, 6 in the morning. Hey, John, how you doing, Susie? How you doing, Mary? It was like tea time. Except for one woman. This woman. She had to go at noon. Why? Because nobody liked her. And then I realized... It would, have been, it would have been understandable. Think about it. It would have been understandable if all these ladies were Jews and she was a Samaritan. You could understand that. But she wasn't in the Jewish province. She was in a, she was in a Samaritan town. So how bad do you have to be when your own kind don't even like you? And you're the outcast. You're the one sitting in the lunchroom by yourself because you're the nerd or the geek or whatever. You're the one who sits in the cafeteria at work by yourself because, for whatever reason is, and yet somebody comes and notices you and sits down with you and has lunch. That's what you gotta do. But you can't do that unless you're really looking. Finally. You have to be able to lead them or share the good news of Christ with them. Lead them to Christ. Let me say this like this. Lead them to Christ, not to church. Amen? Amen. The church does not save people. Only Christ saves. We are the body of Christ. We've all been saved. Amen? Because we are the church. But having you come into this building and thinking God is going to meet you or God is going to save you, it's like you walking into my garage thinking you're going to become a Chevelle. No, it's not. You need to be introduced to Christ. So go share Christ with them. She tries to distract the situation. Hey, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say go worship in Jerusalem. She tries to avoid the issue. When Christ points out her sin and he does it in a gentle way, hey, you're shacking up with all these guys and it doesn't matter because what you're really thirsty for no guy ain't going to give you. You need to come to me. 
And then she, she knew right away. It's like, oh, hey, let's talk about this. You know, and he's like, no, 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 bring it back here. Come back. Let's go to the issue. And he tells her that he is the cup of living water. And then she says, but an hour is coming and now is here from, for the true worship, right? We'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You can only worship God in the power of the Holy Spirit and you being honest before God. I don't know if we could do this, Pastor Dell, one day, but I think we would probably get 500 people to come if we say, hey, one day, come to church. This Sunday, we're having naked worship. Right? Everybody's like, what? Come on, you ever seen that scene? It said naked and volleyball or naked softball. I want to make one that says naked worship. Because this is what the text says. That's being honest. That's being truthful. See, but all of us come to church, and we got everything on. I really can't let God see me, and I really can't let my brothers and sisters see me. Why? Because then they'll really know how sinful I am. But when you come before God, you have to come in spirit and in truth. You got to be going, oh, God, here I am. Look, 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 look. Look at me, God. Look. Look. Be like the guy, remember, when he pounds his chest and he goes, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What did Christ say about him? That he walked away right with God. The Pharisee is like, thank God I'm not like him. I go to church. I'm on the elder board. I tithe. Look, I'm in the Bible study. I signed up for this. Big deal. The guy who came before God and said, I need you. He was right. But you got to be able to share that good news with Christ. You lead them to the Lord. You lead them. I don't care how you do it. In fact, we're going to train you in a month. We're going to teach you how to do this. But here's the formula, right? So you got all the L's? Ready? Flip the page. Let's finish. Here's what we're going to do, church. Here's what we're going to do. Number one, begin with prayer. Pastor Dell told us in the beginning, who's the one person we're going to talk about? Who's the one person we're going to focus on? Who's the one person we're going to pray for, be fasting for? Who's the one person? Write their name down. But not just one. Give me two or three names. Give me somebody that you really say, God, if you give me a chance, I'm going to love on these people. I want to begin. So begin with prayer. Okay? We're going to begin because if the Holy Spirit doesn't move, we're not doing. Number two, I just gave you five L's. That's what I do every day. But the critical one is to listen. When you begin a relationship with these people, are you listening to them? Are you understanding what they're going through? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit talking to you? Or are you just the one talking the whole time and not paying attention? It's going to be critical. <clears throat> okay? We have to be able to listen. It's going to be important. Number three, eat a meal together. Hey, we do that every, every Sunday, I wish, right? Some of you guys are going to leave church today and go what? Have a meal with somebody. There's a wedding banquet coming. 
where God is inviting to the, weights, the, the supper of the Lamb, I want to be there at that meal. But it only starts, we can only get to that meal unless we start with a meal today. Think about the people that you need to love and listen to so that you can share a meal with them. Invite them over, not so that you could preach the gospel to them, so that you could listen to them, understand them, love on them. Who knows? Might be family members, right? Brothers and sisters, neighbors, coworkers. This is what we need to do. Number four, serve them. <clears throat> if someone asks you to go one mile, what does the scripture say? You go what? Two. Serve them. Serve them. Real simple. What do you need me to do? Can I come over and help you clean? Can I help you cut a tree? My, I got a, a good friend of mine who's like 65 years old. No joke. Two or three times a week, he calls me. He goes, do you need any help with anything? And the reason he calls me, just to serve. He could do everything. He's got tools. You know, like when they ask, like, hey, Mr. Lee, I got to knock down a tree. He goes, I'll be there in 10 minutes. You know? And he brought chainsaws and all this other stuff. And he saved me like $400 because it was going to cost me $400 to knock that tree down. We knocked it down in one, less than an hour. He just served. Hey, what can I do for you? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? How can I do it? Serve them. And last, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Be ready to share the life-changing message of Jesus Christ with everyone. And this is what we're going to train you to do. We're going to teach you and train you to share the good news of Christ because we need you to be a blessing. But the way we're going to do it, we have to begin with prayer. We're not praying. Holy Spirit's not moving. We're not moving. We're going to listen. Listen intently. So God will send us where he wants us to go and who he wants us to speak to. And hopefully when we get there, we'll get a chance to eat a meal together. All right? The pastors are notorious for this. Hey, pastor, you want to go to lunch? Like, sure. You pay. I pray it's going to be great. This is why we get fat, right? Yeah, do that. Like, hey, yeah, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Even if it's a burger, a dollar burger from the menu, you could get a bundle for like $3, right? Cheeseburger, cold fries, come on. But it's the time you sit together. Number four, again, serve them. How are we going to serve them? You and I got to be the hands and feet of Christ. If we're not, we do all that then we get the right to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So this is what we're going to do. This is what Christ did with the woman at the well. This is what we're going to do so we can be a blessing in people's life. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to again thank you for your good news. Thank you, God, that you do not leave us alone. Thank you that you are still on the throne. And no matter what, you are in charge, God. What you require from us is obedience. And that obedience, you said it best. This is what Christ said, church. I know that you love me if you obey my commands. The command we have now and until he comes is to go and make disciples. So who's going to go? 
I hope it's all of us. Amen.